Welcome to the Blue Mound United Methodist Church podcast. My name is Pastor Jacob, and we are in the process of launching our digital ministry. Uh, We want you to subscribe and to provide feedback as we work towards doing this better. Our goal is to enrich your faith beyond our walls through sermons, interviews, and Bible studies. We hope that you'll be patient with us and offer us a little grace as we work out the kinks in the recording process. Today's episode features a sermon about All Saints Sunday, a Sunday in the life of the church where we specifically recognize those Christians who have graduated to glory before we have. Uh, But I also, in this particular message, cause us to to look at what all saints really means. Uh, All saints, all people, even the people we would like to ignore or look away from. Hear the sermon. Main standing for our New Testament reading comes coming from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Because he was going to pass that way, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possession, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the Holy Scripture. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, we love you. We need you. Be with us this morning that we might hear a word from you. Speak to our hearts. Through Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm not typically one that will um, will change a sermon to fit the news, uh, but I did this week. Um, Let's start. This is All Saints Day in the life of the church. It's a day in which we recognize, we remember those who, as I told the children, have already gone to be with Jesus. Um, But we also need to remember that that all saints means all saints. And as uh, as Christians, um, we believe that, that anyone 
who calls themselves Christian has that special love of God and, and therefore is also a saint, right? You are a saint. You are a saint. Can you believe that? There are people driving down the road right now that are not in church, but they're saints. Maybe they went to an early service somewhere. Maybe they haven't been to church in years. Uh, Who knows? But those who have a special relationship with God, those that, uh, that we call them Christians, are saints. And I'm sure there are loved ones and individuals that are coming to our minds right now that we're very thankful for. We're thankful for their role in our life, in our faith story, and even within this community. Uh, before we have communion, we'll, we'll lift those individuals up in prayer and give you an opportunity to share that as well. The direction that I was going to go with this morning's sermon was about Zacchaeus and how even Zacchaeus, even that, that tax collector, is a saint who's, who's had an impact on our faith story, an unlikely individual. Can you think of individuals within our uh, community life, maybe in public life, that you might not like to think of as loved by God? And they too are saints. You see, Zacchaeus was despised by the Jewish people because he was a tax collector. And there are people that are despised today. But even still, Jesus would invite them to come down from their post and to enter into a new type of relationship. Now, I will say that the moment I said public life, Uh, your minds immediately went to probably defend the person in your own political party that you agree with. But what I meant was the person in the opposite political party that you don't agree with. Whoever that may be. I was going to talk about how we at Blue Mound, it's not just about the saints that have been in our midst, that have been uh, a part of our community for a long time that we've lost. Yes, they're important. Yes, we should remember them. Yes, it breaks our heart, those who are no longer in the pews with us. But I was going to ask, what about those who are moving into the community? Our area, as we know, is, is rapidly changing from rural to suburban. Some of you might be familiar with Hunter Ranch, just south of uh, where the 35s come together. It's a big ranch right there off of kind of both sides of the highway, but mostly to the west. 
15,000 new rooftops are going to go in on Hunter Ranch. 15,000. The average household size in the United States is, is three and a half. I don't know how you get a half a person, but that's, that's 45,000 new residents to the Denton area. That's 45,000 people that are loved by God and that God would invite into a relationship as well. But would we? Would we invite people that maybe moved from California or New York into relationship with us? That's the direction it was going to go. But you see, my friend uh, Josh is, is having to preach to a congregation this morning that lost one of its members on Friday. Josh is the pastor of Warren UMC in South Dallas and a member of his church, Gloria Rock, uh, died in her own home. Gang violence. Bullets came through her house. 79-year-old church member, a very encouraging person, loved to give hugs at the church. And their community is without her today. And so many people in our society just kind of flip the page when it comes to yet another family dying, another individual dying from either gun violence or black-on-black -black crime or gang violence, whatever you want to label you want to throw at it, whatever excuse you want to use to, to not pay attention. Imagine if that were us. At one point in U.S. history, German communities were not well regarded. That's not today. But at a certain point in our nation's history, in our world's history, uh, people distanced themselves from German roots. It could have been us. Could you imagine, and this is the part that, that really wrecks me, could you imagine one of our own members dying because of gang shootings? And the things that we might say or the things that we might do, how might we react? And instead of the words of Zacchaeus, I turn to what was already our passage for today. When senselessness happens, when injustice happens in our community, what do we do? What do we say? And the prophet Habakkuk, I'll remind you of his words. 
In chapter 1, he says, How long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Have you ever had that prayer? Because our brothers and sisters in the black community, especially in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, are feeling that right now. If not the, the death of Botham Jean, if not the death of Gloria Rock, a neighbor called the police in Fort Worth to do a wellness check on his neighbor, and she was killed by a police officer. There are people, there are brothers and sisters in Christ right now who might feel the urgency of this prayer. How long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me or all around me. But then... In, in a word that I hope we can equally receive. A word that maybe we can understand. The Lord also says to Habakkuk in chapter 2, in response to this plea, this cry for help. Habakkuk first says, kind of in regard to this plea that he lays out in the first chapter, he says, I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart and I'll keep watch to see what God will say to me. You ever been that indignant in your prayer? Why did you take this loved one from me, God? Didn't I, didn't I do the right thing? Didn't I, didn't I pray hard enough? Wasn't I generous? Why, why God? Why is this happening to me? And you get so indignant about it that you, you're going to stand there until you get an answer. Why won't you help me, God? I've been trying so hard. And you know, sometimes in the way that I've seen Christianity play out within my life in the church and in my ministry, sometimes that that sentiment behind a prayer is kind of sloughed off. Like, oh, how dare we ask God why? Or how dare we be upset with God? But see, the interesting thing here is the prophet Habakkuk, not only in his indignant plea to God, but his insistence on waiting for an answer is rewarded here with an answer. So what does the Lord say? Then it says in verse 2 of chapter 2, Then the Lord answered me. Maybe we, maybe we should plea until God answers. Write this vision. Make it on plain tablets so the runner may read it. That's the first part of the answer. Don't forget what I'm about to say. Because in your state of grief, 
in your state of strickenness, in your state of all being upset, in your mourning and loss, in your hopelessness. This is what I want you to remember. And let me just, before I go to the next verse, let me just say a word about hopelessness. Hopelessness doesn't just have to do with the loss of life. Hopelessness doesn't just have to do with, with senseless violence. Hopelessness doesn't just have to do with the loss of a loved one. Hopelessness is a cancer that we all face. At some point in time or another, we, we think that a cause is lost. We think something that we thought ought to happen is never going to happen. Sometimes, sometimes we're right. A, a boat has passed us by. The ship has sailed. The train has left the station. Sometimes that's the case. But here's what the Lord says to Habakkuk in his hopeless plea. He says, There is still a vision for the appointed time. There is still a vision for the appointed time. In your hopelessness, in your loss, in your grief, in your, in your not understanding why or how or, or what's going on, in your inability to see how we'll ever get there, there is still a vision for the appointed time. Some people talk as though change is hopeless. That a, a person is always who they will be. That a group of people is always who they will be. Some of us have a hopelessness about change. Some of us have a hopelessness about our own ability to change. I know I do when it comes to certain things that my wife gets on to me about. I keep forgetting to put things in the calendar. I keep leaving dishes rinsed and by the sink, but not put them in the dishwasher. There's so many different things that I, quite honestly, have gotten a hopelessness that will change. The number of gun deaths in this country, for one. Trust in the democratic system of governance. And yes, sometimes can people change. I myself have felt that hopelessness, but what the Lord says to Habakkuk, the Lord says to us still today, there is still a vision for the appointed time. Change can happen. It says it speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it, it will surely come. 
It will not delay. Those things that we want to happen so bad and they're just not happening, God says, don't worry, it's happening. Change may take a long time, but it's happening. And it's not being delayed. It just takes a while. It's not, it's not tarrying. It's not, it's not held up. It's not distracted. The cause is not lost. Even when we face setbacks, even when our hope is stilted, God is still working in and through us. And what is that vision? For each individual, for each community, that might look different. But what the, what the Scripture tells us of, if you've read the back of the book, is a vision of a new heaven and a new earth. Of a time, not when there will be no tears, but when God, God's self, will wipe the tears from our eyes. When the lion will lay down with the lamb. When we will beat our swords into plowshares. There is a vision. There is something that that God is working through you and through me to accomplish. But until that day, that we get to be counted in that number who are with God in our earthly resting. I'm reminded of the words of our hymn. For all the saints who from their labors rest. What does that mean for me? What does that mean to you? We give thanks for the labor that those who have gone before us have put in. We give thanks for the hard work, the the fighting for justice that they did, the voice that cried out, something should happen about this. Somebody should do something for those that actually were the ones that did something. We give thanks to God for those. But the best way that we can honor and remember them is remembering that we're not resting yet. And so, we have labors. That reminds me of labor. Can anybody think of anybody that has kids? Can you think of that, that instance of birthing? Has anybody ever regarded that as an easy process? You can answer that one out loud. No. We have labor. It might not be easy. It might be painful. We might, we might lose nerves. Right? But God's got work for us to do. 
And, and it would be so simple for us to sit here and just celebrate the work of those who have gone before and to be thankful for what we have, but then not work, not put that same effort, that same energy, that same fervor, that, that, those same resources even, into making sure that all those who come behind us have the same opportunities to worship God and to know that they are loved. To know that God has come to their house. Not just to ours. So I don't know what my friend Josh is saying to his congregation this morning. But I pray for him and I'll ask you to as well. I don't know what the people in his community are feeling right now. But I ask you to pray for them. May they have hope that change will come. Because as senseless as this is, when you think about the, the statistics involved with violence in South Dallas... The statistics show that over the last 20 years, there's already been significant change. But there's still work to do. Some of you may be thinking, how can I make a difference in that? One, we trust in the power of prayer. We can at least do that much. Then there are other ways. Reading with children at Title I schools. Maybe even giving resources. You and I both know that when, when a beloved member of a church, participant in a church, uh, passes away, sometimes a church will hurt financially because that person's giving is no longer present. I don't know exactly what God is asking you to do, but God is certainly asking us all to to remember all the saints. Not just the ones we like. Not just the ones that shared pews with us. For all the saints. Those who have come before and those who are coming. God be with us. Amen. Well, that's it for this episode of Blue Mound Methodist Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out in any way, please send us an email at office at bluemoundumc.org. We'd love to hear from you. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I want to challenge you to share this blessing with others by investing and inviting. If you know someone who has been blessed by this message, invite them to listen directly or by sharing on social media. Or, you can make an investment in this digital ministry by going to bluemoundumc.org give to help expand the reach of the gospel message. God bless.